Welcome back to Range Anxiety. It's that time again. I'm your host, Martin Donnan, bringing you 30 minutes of 30 years tuning experience once a week with Range Anxiety. Now, for all of your regular listeners, you know sometimes I do this while I'm driving. And yes, today I'm in the Tesla Model 3, the last one that we cast out of the SR Plus, the smaller two wheel drive version, wasn't too bad. This time I'm in a Model 3 performance and it is absolutely raining cats and dogs. So I've set some background filters to try and take some of the nasty noise out of it, but it's gonna be noisy, but bad luck. We do this stuff in cars, that's what we do. So tune in, buckle up, sit back and listen to this episode of Range Anxiety that is aptly titled The Tuner Casino. Now, interestingly enough, this is something I get asked a fair bit about because people don't know where to go or what to do when it comes to tuning a motor car. Actually, I'm driving over some gravel now, so it's going to get pretty hairy and pretty noisy, but bad luck. That's what happens when you're into cars. You drive them and you talk shit while you're driving them. Well, that's what I do. So tune a casino. Um, actually, before we start that, I've skipped feedback. Had some good feedback. I've had people asking me, uh, mainly, oh, Martin, could you talk more about EVs? Now, I love EVs and I'm right into EVs, but I'm not gonna talk any more about them. You know why? Because I probably talk too much about them as it is. And you don't wanna alienate your actual normal uh, non-nerd audience. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I do. But, you know, because they're becoming so topical at the moment, friends of mine have just bought EVs and all of a sudden, or ordered them and are waiting for them, and all of a sudden, people on Facebook are giving them crap and they don't know what to do about it. You know what I say to them when they send me a message? What do I say, Martin? I said, just say nothing. Welcome to my world. Bad luck. Get over it. Let's get on with it. So let's talk about Tuna Casino. The title's quite apt, you know, and so was my uh, intro track because, you know, everybody's going surfing these days, surfing the internet when it comes to working out what a good tune is, isn't, should or shouldn't be. And in a lot of cases, you're gonna get it wrong, very wrong most of the time. I cast my mind back to the late 90s when we were all just starting up. And you know, I had a bit of a leg up there because I wrote a lot for magazines. And so I hung around a lot of mates shops and was doing tuning for them and could make, you know, I could feature the work they were doing. And yeah, it was cool. You know, we were building GDRs that were running good times and doing crazy things long before anybody else in this country was doing it. There was only a handful of us. And so, you know, a lot of the work tended to favour, you know, workshops that were mates of mine and, the, you know, there were accusations of bias and everything else. But, you know, my answer to that was always, if you're doing anything good, show us. And if I've got to make a trip interstate, we'll cover you. But, you know, people weren't doing that back then. There were only so many Suzuki Swift GDIs you could put turbochargers and chips in and so many Honda CRXs you could put fish tanks in the boot of. Yes, it did happen and yes, I've covered that before. So what happens, what I've noticed through all my years of doing this is that workshops or tuning shops or performance shops tend to run a cyclical life cycle. They're a bit like the stock market where they go up and down and up and down providing they're just not totally crap and shut shop and take millions of dollars of customers money with them and yes that 
happens an awful lot too. Um, but they tend to run a cycle. The best way to explain it is those of you that go to pubs and clubs and bars or whatever, there's always a flavour of the month. And what was cool, you know, one year is not cool the next, but then they do some renovations and they become cool again. And it switches and swaps around. And this happens very, very much in the tuning game and the workshop game. A lot of the time the faces stay the same and the people stay the same, but favoritism shifts and it's happening a lot faster now that Facebook and social media is involved. And you know, there are a couple of reasons for that. One is the frequency of posting and the, the, the width, the breadth of people post, posting through the sheer user base is massive. And also because shops and people can delete comments and hide comments, you don't hear a lot of the backside, you know, until someone starts a page about you, you're that bad. And that happens too, thankfully. So we run this cycle in and out the whole time. And, and I see it a lot, you know, I'm, I'm on an up cycle at the moment and that's great. I don't generally tend to, to, to read too much into that, but you know, new shop on the block, old players, power tech tuning in South Australia, we're doing some great things and, and you know, other shops have fallen out of favor and, and what have you. But it pays not to read too much into it because when you do is when you fail and people walk around that run these shops beating their chest going look we're the best we're getting all this work we're the best no mate it is part of a natural cycle and your work is going to go away at some stage so you know pull your socks up do the best you can and don't rest on your laurels because it's that that is the biggest danger of all from a professional's viewpoint okay well uh, where do I start here let me let me go back to probably one of the smartest operators I know in the country. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's out of New South Wales. And his, his favourite comment to customers, he was that good, he could afford to be a little bit arrogant and straight up. He always used to say, if you want mates, go to the pub. And what he means by that is if you want a good tuning job done and you want a good build done, then pick the right people for the job. Don't pick people that are just friendly because a lot of the people that are friendly don't know what they're doing. And there are a lot of friendly people that do know what they're doing. But if they're called, or we call it in the industry, it's quite quite a cynical term, but if they are honey-dicking you so much that they've got to make out they're your best friend to get the job, there's more than a good chance that they don't actually know what they're doing. For example, I saw a, a post come up in my Facebook feed from a shop, again, I'm not going to mention names, and they've just, they don't do anything to do with tuning, but they've just taken on a tuning shop, a tuning suite of software, and they don't even have a dyno, they don't have anything like that, and they're saying, hey, you know, we're just getting into tuning, you bring your car to us, and we're going to learn, and we're going to get really good at this, and there are people lining up going, wow, that's awesome, when can I make a booking, can you do this, can you do that, and they're going, no, 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 we're going to you know, we're gonna learn that platform later, or we're gonna do this, but there are people lining up, handing over money, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Who would line up to hand over money to someone that says they're just learning, and they're learning on your car? It's like going to a brain surgeon and saying, you know, can I have my brain fixed? Well, we're just learning. Um, would, you, would you like to book in so we can learn on you? Yeah, why not? No, that's not what happens. Well, sorry, it is what happens, but it's not what should happen. What should happen then? I'm just alongside a very noisy diesel burning truck, so I'll just get back from him so that this wonderful podcast is not interrupted. What should happen? Well, what should happen 
and, and let me interrupt myself again here, I get people ring up and they speak to me. Can I speak to Martin? Yeah, so we'll put you through to Martin. My receptionist, Maria, does a wonderful job and actually putting people through to me. Sometimes when I'm that busy, I shouldn't be taking calls. But they will say to me, um, Martin, I'm after a quote for you to tune my car. And I say, well, what sort of car is it? Invariably, they don't actually tell you what it is, so you have to ask a question. And they say, oh, you know, it's an XYZ Mark One, and you go, okay, well, to tune that, we normally charge about $880, and, you know, here's, here's what we do. And they're going, I'm saying, well, are you, you know, you're ready to do it. Oh, I'm just ringing around looking for quotes. And that just sends me mental. <clears throat> now, whether you're a shop or a potential customer listening to this, and it doesn't matter whether you're gonna be a customer of mine or not, you go wherever you want. You aren't buying the same thing. It's not like going and buying a current iPhone where you go around to the shop that gives you the best price. What you're rigging up asking for when you ask for a tune, or are you able to tune my car, is you're saying, do you have these basic tools? And invariably, you know, if you're a tuning shop, you have the basic tools to, to tune the XYZ Mark One, But that is no indication that you actually know how to use these tools or not. And there is the biggest problem. So, you know, it frustrates me to the point where I talk to the customer and I say, listen, I don't care whether you come to me. I don't care whether you book in with me. I don't care really if you find me arrogant or not, but you're not getting the same thing. And they go, oh, why is that? Well, because everyone uses these tools differently, everyone has a different amount of knowledge, and everyone has a different amount of experience when it comes to tuning a motor car. Oh, so we're not buying the same thing. Well, they probably are in some cases with diesel tuning because there's about four people in Australia that supply most of the tunes for most of the people, and they're just rehashed and branded something else anyway. But with a proper tune, you aren't buying the same thing. You are buying someone's experience you are borrowing someone's knowledge. And let me tell you, have tuning cable, will tune car is a frightening, frightening thing. Back in the day when I used to do work um, with the Ford tuning software, I helped bring the SCT custom tuning software to Australia. The actual second dealers in, in, the, in the queue of that that were distributing in Australia, I did work for by the name of um, Herod Motorsport. Rob Herod, lovely guy, I've spoken about him before. Everyone knows that big cheesy grin and shiny bald head, but very smart guy because he wouldn't sell you the tuning software to tune these cars unless you were a proper registered workshop, you had a dynamometer in-house, and you actually attended a training course on how to use the software that was invariably run by yours truly. Now, it might sound a little draconian, but it actually worked, and with that product, the SCT uh, Advantage custom tuning XCAL software, you really didn't see a lot of crap tunes once Rob had this really smart and sensible plan in place. And let's face it, if you're not gonna invest like 11 or $1,200 to come to a two-day tuning seminar, then you probably shouldn't be tuning anyway because it means you're not taking it seriously. Yep, these tires in the Model 3 Performance do make a lot more noise and it will be interfering with this podcast, but so what? bad luck, enjoy it, it's road noise, it means I'm moving. <clears throat> so most tuning companies just want your money for their product and will give it to anyone. And so if you're just starting out, the idea is to make yourself a fancy name um, that is relevant to the, your target market, 
get a Facebook advertising campaign underway, pay three of your mates to give you Google reviews and say you're good, and all of a sudden, you're tuning. Yeah, nah, I see it all the time. Like, for example, I had a client ring me the other day that wanted a reasonable size camshaft in his LS3 tuned, and he rang me, he did that quote thing for me, and he went somewhere else because they had a name that was uh, referenced the LS series engine. They'd been around about 15 minutes and they were learning. And he went to them because obviously knew what they were doing because his, his make of engine was in their name. Well, turns out they didn't have a clue what they were doing and it ran really poorly. They're an interstate firm, by the way. It ran really poorly and it came to us to be fixed. And he said to me, he rang up and he said, sorry sorry I didn't trust what you were saying and it's like well first I don't want your sorries you should listen to me but even then if you don't listen to what I'm saying do your research tuning is all about and this is one big thing that you can't avoid tuning is all about experience it's not about how scientific the person is involved it's not about how qualified they are there are no qualifications to tune an engine, and then that, that you know that is another problem, all unto itself. But it really is all about experience, because if you've seen it before, you'll see it again. And the next time that person did the same job, they might have actually done it a lot better, because that well, actually no, because they didn't learn and they didn't fix this one. And you know, I I take no prisoners with this approach and neither I should and neither should any professional tuning shop look listening to this you know the customer I say look if you're not happy with the tune don't ask me don't say I've got no money left to fix my car <clears throat> go back I've had it happen to me right or wrong go back get your money back for the product that's not fit for purpose and then make your choice again and you'll be treated equally by me and there will be no hard feelings or anything else people make mistakes we all make mistakes i make mistakes that's just the way it is so what should a good tuner be doing now i get really frustrated when it's a standard car like say it's a vf commodore with an exhaust system and the customer gets honey dicked by the shop to say drop it off Monday and you can pick it up Tuesday afternoon because we need to check the cold start. What? It's a standard bloody car with a standard camshaft. You don't touch anything to do with the cold start and if you do, you need your head red. No, that means drop it off Monday. We'll do it Tuesday morning and you can pick it up Tuesday lunchtime, but you'll feel better. We've spent all of these hours on it. Yeah, no, you shouldn't be spending hours on a basic tune of a car. You know, some cars require hours. They're painful, but they're also challenging. And as a tuner, you know that job when you see it. It's not a standard Commodore with an exhaust, right? It's it's it normally it's normally aspirated engines that are highly tuned with big camshafts, aftermarket inlet systems like multiple throttle bodies, um, you know, step headers, that sort of thing. They're the ones that take the most time to tune particularly when they're you know out of range of airflow meters and <clears throat> map sensors aren't reading right and need to be replumbed of the throttle body tracks you know however i digress i'm not here to tell you how good i am but what i am to, here to tell you is what you should look for if someone says to you as a customer i need your car for two days to check cold start 
you can actually say, why? Oh, listen, there's a guy in a Ford Ranger with his windows up next to me that's got the stereo up so loud, I can hear it on my podcast. And it's not even good. Oh, God, I don't even know what it is. It just it sounds like cats mating in the car. But anyway, back to it. Um, ask the questions. Ask the hard questions. Say to whoever is tuning your car, say to whoever, um, what are your results with these cars? Don't look at dyno sheets. Dyno sheets are the biggest con there is or can be used as the biggest con there is. There's nothing wrong with using a dyno. In fact, you have to use a dyno to tune a car. If you don't, you need, you know, you're a bloody backyarder. It is the sign of, it is the difference between doing it right and doing it wrong. But to tune a basic car, you don't need to do 50 runs. You should, if you're experienced, have a repository of tunes of similar vehicles you've done, which will give you a starting point that is 99% of the way there. And then, you finesse the last, you know, one or two percent or five percent or whatever it is from the vehicle, which will take you three or four runs. Take, find the knock threshold, find the fueling threshold. You can do this quickly, compactly, and efficiently without destroying the car. Oh, destroying the car? Yeah. You know, imagine belting your car up the road flat out in fourth gear or fifth gear or whatever it is for 20 to 50 times. Imagine what that does to the life of the thing. It's no good for them. In fact, most professional race teams have dyno mule engines, you know, and race engines. The race, the dyno mule engine does all the work making the calibration or the tune for the ECU. And then the race engine goes on when it's fresh and gets one or two pulls just to make sure it's exactly the same as the dyno mule engine. And boom, away we go. It goes in the race car and races. I've never seen a sense in flogging an engine to death on the dyno many many people do it and more to the point they're actually rewarded by their customers for doing it we say we have a saying every time you pull a string is one more time the string isn't left there to pull so minimize your work compact your work it's not cutting corners it's showing that you're experienced and that you care for the customer and that's why i called this cast the tuna casino because some people walk into a shop or look at a series of shops and they put it all on red or all on black and with the casino you know it is a gamble it is a guess and with a lot of people's tuning choices it is a gamble and it is guess but it doesn't have to be a gamble or a guess it can actually be quite a scientific process that nets you some very good and very enjoyable long-term results and yes your tuna doesn't have to be your best friend in fact like i said earlier it's those sometimes that are trying to be your best friend and are trying to make mates out of you that are trying to cover up their basic inadequacies of the work that they do you know and some of these words sound a bit harsh and they are but you know there are plenty of guys out there that i know that are bloody good at what they do that are just friendly but normally it's the guys that have been in the scene a little bit longer that do get a bit grumpier about it because they're sick of the bullshit they cop every day. Oh, my mate on Facebook said that you got to tune the engine this way. Well, bloody well take your engine to your mate on Facebook. You know, I have them ring me up with their mate from Facebook in the background 
and uh, you know go through it and i've learned to hold my tongue these days and i will talk to them and i will say well this isn't exactly true and here's why and they go oh i've never heard of that before yeah that's because i've got bloody well 30 years of experience doing it and you've read four posts and i don't mind that i don't mind if someone's just learning and asking questions and read four posts but don't think that you know it all because no one knows it all can you tell i'm actually on my way home from work and have been talking about this stuff on the phone all day yeah you probably can so back to the results the results that you should be looking for are firstly a big and happy customer base that's really hard to tell you know it's really hard to pick who who who's who in the zoo on social media so yeah that's tough look towards fast drag strip results even if you don't want to go drag race your car yourself um and you south australians listening to this are going to go but hang on the drag strip hasn't really been running for five years here so how am i going to get them and my answer to you is going to be exactly it proves who's been around and who hasn't i i'm casting my mind through everyone i know in the game in australia and, I, and i've trained a lot of them i've worked with a lot of them and uh, simply friends with a lot of them I can't think of one player, serious player, that has really, really good drag strip results that can't tune. Yeah, some of them are a bit, you know, sketchy on the business side. Most of them aren't because the world has a very cool and efficient way of filtering them out after time. Um, most of those guys that can make cars go fast, and it's proven with time cards, not stupid dyno sheets or facebook recommendations or go here these guys are the best these guys are the guys that want to, you want to take your car to even if you don't ever want to go to the drag strip because they know what's involved to make an engine run in the real world and not on a social media post again i may be being a little unfair to some of these guys that have only sprung up in the past few years that haven't had access to a racetrack but you know the ones that i know that have only been around a couple of years or a few years aren't there there are better more suitable options anyway let's just say that so this has been a little bit of a harsh podcast but it's one that's um very close to my heart because it's something i deal with every day and it's something that if you listen to it and you are a, a customer or a potential customer it is something you should really keep in mind it's a little more serious than I would normally make a podcast. Normally I want people to think I'm the court jester and we're having a bit of fun, but you know, there is a serious side to all of this because cars cost a lot of money. Tuning cars costs money and blowing up cars, well, that costs a hell of a lot more money. You know, so next time we're gonna feature something a little bit funnier, something I got I got known for in the tuning industry. I, I gave a, a conference I suppose, conference slash training course, dealer conference, whatever, to a group of people up on the Gold Coast um, for a fantastic company called Nispro. They were mainly Ford and Motec specialists and now they do wonderful things with outboard engines. But I did their LS tuning segment for them. Back when LS tuning, I think it was the only the LS1 and I think fly-by-wire was pretty new back then. So it would have been about 2004 or five or somewhere around there. And I was the big fat guy that introduced everyone in the tuning game that wanted to learn about LS tuning to this concept or this great uh, tuning technique I had 
called the slash and burn technique. So if you are one of the lucky people that were around to hear about the slash and burn technique, you can listen in and hear it all over again and something to tell your grandkiddies about. And yes, I have been asked, Martin, will you be, be covering the holy grail of engine tuning? And yes, I will be covering the holy grail. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed this rather serious and Tesla noisy version of range anxiety. But tune in next time. We're going to go through the slash and burn with some aptly titled Freddy Krueger music. So see you again all very soon.